Hi, I'm Dr. Sab Cohen Hatton. I'm a neuroscientist specialising in human and animal learning mechanisms. I'm Jamie Penrith. I specialise in canine predatory behaviour and I'm also a former police dog handler. And I'm Danny Wells. I'm a dog trainer that specialises in dangerous and unwanted behaviour. And every week we sit down to talk about the latest research in canine science. And more importantly, how you can apply that research to your own dogs to get to know them a little bit better. Welcome to the Dog Scholar. I've got a question. Go on, what is it? Question question me up. I think you'll like this question. Let's hear it. Do dogs prefer people? To? Other dogs or anything. To tacos. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Who prefers people to tacos? Tacos are amazing. So do dogs prefer the company of people to the company of other dogs? Exactly that. Mm. Big question. I think Big some question. humans prefer the company of dogs. I certainly do. I, I, yeah. Present company accepted. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think. Well, look, lots of people seriously think that they need to get another dog to keep their dog's company. And lots of people are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Because I think people bring something different. And it's it's interesting that people would think that, you know, to kind of replace human company, they mm. need to bring in the company of another dog. I suppose if someone's working all day, then they mm. might think if the dog is there, then they need some kind of company. So it would yeah. replace something. I think I think a lot of people also make the mistake of thinking they can resolve unwanted behaviour by company. They think mm. they, they kind of, you know, they convince themselves or they've been convinced that their dog will resolve, another dog, sorry, will resolve the problems they're having with their, their first dog, which is obviously not, not the case. The reality is... And then is, they end up with double the trouble. Yeah, well, just like with people. Yeah, If yeah. you introduce someone naughty into the dynamic, it, they're not going to be made good by everyone else around them. They're just going to corrupt everyone else, aren't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, make yeah, I mean, I think, I think, That's what we've experienced. Do dogs prefer people to dogs? I mean, it's... It depends, doesn't it? Yeah, it depends yeah. on who the person is. It depends on the interaction that they give with the dog. It depends yeah, on yeah. whether the dog's pro-social with other dogs, you know, how much experience they've had of being able to play and interact with mm. other dogs without humans meaning anything significant to them. It's a, mm. no, it's, a it's an interesting enough question, but I think it's yeah. one that's multifaceted. Um, I think um, genetics matter as well, obviously. If, um, if you've got a real, like, you know, fearful dog. I mean, dogs can be fearful of other dogs, but they're most likely to be comfortable in the known, especially when you have like um, street dogs that are brought over. They're, they're blatantly mm. a lot more comfortable around dogs' company than people because people are the unknown. Mm. And as we know, dogs are better with the known. Uh, well, lots of people try and take their dogs to dog parks for socialisation, don't they? And yeah, they think yeah. they're doing the right thing. I'm not a fan of dog parks. I'm not. It's absolute canine chaos. Yeah. I've never, other than when I've been to America, and like, like you know, I've seen them in New York yeah. and stuff like that. I've never actually seen I think, one. I think most parks with a field in the UK are classed as dog parks yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It's just canine chaos. The only time I'll use them, if there's a gated area, I'll use it for some training where I can leave them all to the chaos and stay yeah. on the outsides and get, get a little bit of engagement. But it's that concept that they need to play with other dogs for socialisation. It yeah. plays into this, doesn't it? Is the human enough? I suppose the question is, do dogs play with us for the same reason that they play with other dogs? You know, there's no doubt they love to play. It's part yeah. and parcel of how they bond, isn't it? But there's other things that they get from it as well, beside the kind of social enrichment. It could be access to resources or reducing stress through contact. But I suppose the question is, if there's no other dog available, mm. will a person do? Or do they prefer the person in the first place? Mm. I, I think it's, um, again, you know, it's it's very subjective. What one dog likes, another dog might not necessarily like it. I like to have a little wrestle with my dogs. I wouldn't wrestle with Logan because I know I'll put him in a state of drive and, I, and, he, and he wouldn't have control of what he does. He's just that type of dog. He's yeah. just, you know, a very serious dog. Ralph, me, me bull breed. And little Lenny, the, um, the, the terrier and Wade, if you, if you, you know, we, you go like that and they're bouncing yeah. all over the place. I remember I tried to do this with Flint, me Labrador, and Flint's just not about that life. Aww. So with Ralph, he'll come over and I'll push his head and then he'll go, ah, and I'll push his head again with the other Aww. hand and then, it, and then I'll have him guessing which hand's coming and so on. I tried to do it to Flint and Flint just literally, and what the hell are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? He just didn't want to know. Aww. However, if I throw something, it's like, oh, game on, let's bring that back. But he's just not about that rough and tumble life. Do you know what I mean? Luther, I do this thing with Luther where like we'll play and I'll be kind of like leaning over him and I'll put uh, an arm between his legs and grab the other leg. Like, like, oh, yeah, like a, a dog biking. Yeah, yeah, no, like a dog biting. And he'll be going, ah, ah, yeah. and then I'll do it the other side. And when he wants to play, like if I'm kneeling down or doing something, he'll come and he'll back onto me and he'll literally put his ass on my lap as if to say, come on, play again. between my legs. Yeah. That's not really bad. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, I can't do that, that kind of show people. <laughs> do that game where you. Like, it's Love. not going to sound any better, yeah. but just take it in the spirit that I meant Ooh. it. Yeah. But Jimmy, Jimmy's not into that at all. Jimmy loves playing with socks, so he'll grab a random sock out the laundry and start waving like it so that socks. you can play. <laughs> so you can play and he'll rag it. But the only trouble is, he took it a bit too far, and he keeps going in the laundry, and he's progressed from socks to pulling out underwear. But which is fine, except for when you've got guests coming around and the dog comes trotting trotting out with a, with your underwear in its mouth. Yeah, like, I can explain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no wonder dogs prefer playing with people, eh? I know. I, th- I think it's, you know. Do your dogs uh, play with your underwear? No, but uh, <laughs> Sherlock will eat it. Yeah, there you yeah, go. You know, you so go. He's yeah. one of those dogs that every now and again you'll see him straining to go to the toilet and there's a sock, you know. Yeah, yeah. Gutted that you've thrown the other one away about a week, week yeah. ago, <laughs> you know, think, thinking that you'd lost it. Yeah. Quick swill will sort that out. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I play personally, you know, do I play with a dog? Yeah, I do, but not in the sense of that I'm um, creating rough and tumble as much or, or, or so much like that, yeah. you know, because I don't, I don't really want, we, we, we've got a fairly busy house and I don't want the dog seeking out rough yeah. and tumble with other people as they come in and things yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. My, and any sort of play that I do with the dogs is, you know, throwing toys for them or, yeah, I'll lay down on the floor with them and give them a cuddle and a rub and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I interact with them. I play yeah. with them. We, we, mm. What's the point in having one if you're not going to, to be Quite, completely honest yeah, with you, yeah. I think, you know? It'd be pretty yeah. boring for them. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's, a, it, you know, it's treating them as an individual. You know, yeah. if you have two children, they're not going to necessarily be into the same thing. So you'd, mm. you'd, you'd coordinate your time you like accordingly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd coordinate your time in, in, in accordance to what that one likes and that one likes, wouldn't mm. you? You wouldn't yeah. try and force this one to do that and that one to do this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No, no yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. So, does the science tell us whether dogs get the same thing out of people as they do with dogs, or is are we just enough? What does well, it say, Sab? It gives us an indication. The research suggests that their motivation to play with people might actually be different from their motivation to play with other dogs. One study basically went to popular dog walking spots and observed uh, people walking their dogs, about 402 dog owners walking their dogs, and some had one dog with them, and some had multiple dogs. And they didn't find any evidence there that dogs were playing with people less when they also had another dog to play with. Now, it might be that people with multi-dog households are just kind of more into their dogs, so they're more likely to play with both of them. So it might have skewed the results a little bit. So this same this same study went on and gave a survey out uh, to more than 2,500 dog owners, and they asked them how many dogs they had and what the interaction with their dogs was like. And again, it found a similar thing. In multi-dog households, despite the dog having access to another dog to play with, it didn't diminish their desire to play with a human. They were still playing with the humans as much as a dog in a single dog household would. Now, if the motivation was the same, then you'd think they've had their fill with playing with the other dogs. So, you know, mm. they wouldn't, they'd be less interested. Now, I don't particularly love surveys because I think that they can be really subjective in the, the, the answers. Yeah, yeah. People can interpret the question differently. So I'm not a big fan, but there was a follow-up experiment, which pleased me from a science perspective. Now, they were dogs that were taking part in nutrition trials. So they weren't housed in a, in a household with a family they were housed in kennels uh, and they lived with another dog in the kennel so they were kenneled in pairs so it was a bit more controlled in experimental terms than pet dogs where it's a bit harder to make sure that everything's the same and in this study the dogs were allowed to play freely with another dog or a human and then a tug toy was thrown in and what they found is the dogs were more likely to instigate play with a human than they were with another dog. And when they did, they were a lot more interactive with the human than they were with the other dogs. And they were more likely to give up their toy to a human than they were with another dog. With the other dog, they were a lot more competitive and they wanted to win more. Now, it might make sense because if they depend on the human for resources, and again, certainly in that kind of situation, they would because it's still the person that's bringing them food and all of that kind of thing, then reduced competitiveness is an adaptive quality because they're less likely to hurt the relationship by being competitive. So they're likely to still get the resources brought to them. But look, whatever the reason, it's really clear to me from this study that dogs get something very different yeah. from playing with people it's um it, it, it's uh, i love it i love it and stuff like that i have um when i let do you want me to say it again yeah <laughs> i've got me phil you're all right um when um when i take my two um malinois out wade and logan um i walk them over towards the field and i go go on and they, they'll sprint as far as the eye can see have a wee and then they'll come back and they'll have a little fight 
Logan is quite aloof in character. You know, he, he won't just come in and, and, and voluntarily give you his attention. He'll go off and do his own thing, but Wade is the complete opposite. Mm. And what I started doing is like kind of using Logan as an external reward. I'll have to get a video of this and show you because it's quite funny to watch. So what'll, what'll happen is they'll be rolling around, they'll rough and tumble, I'll stand there minding my own business and the next minute, Wade will fly back to me heel and he'll look at me like, what are we doing? And I'll go, down, sit, stand, heel, turn left, turn right, and go, go on then. And he runs off and goes and wrestles with Logan. And he'll do that for a bit, and then he'll come running back again in the heel, and I'll do it again. Down, sit, stand, heel, walk around, go on then. Runs off and plays with Logan. So it's kind of like, he, he does his bit with me, and then that's his little reward to go and play mm. with Logan. But he seeks that out. And, and obviously, it's habit, because we he started it once, we've done it, he liked it, he does it again. Yeah. But it's quite funny to watch, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like he, he wants the, the two, but... He does seek me out where, again, characters are different. Logan is quite aloof as a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what about that thing? Um, cause they, they talked about it in this study in the sense that, you know, they were play, that they were more likely to give up their toy to a human. Yeah. You know, what, what do you think of that, that thing that it's not good to let dogs constantly win games? Oh, oh. People say that, don't they? They think that if you let the dog com- constantly win the game, it's going to think it's stronger than you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I'm not, I'm not a big fan No, my, 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 no, my thoughts on that, I mean, there's a couple of things as well that I wanted to bring in on, just a couple of questions on the study, you know, that I'd throw out is, we're talking about dogs here in there that are kept for nutrition trials, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not dogs, I take it, that live in households. No. So... I would imagine that their interaction with humans is reduced mm-hmm. in comparison to dogs that, I'm not saying that it's non-existent, but reduced in comparison to dogs that live in households. Dogs that live in households are owned and, do, do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and they'll get a lot of play with them and stuff like that. So I wonder whether when the dogs in the nutrition trials actually get the option of playing with humans. Okay, I see dogs, you know, I'm mm-hmm. kenneled with a dog. Um, but I see a human and it's a human who's interacting with me, you know, and that's something novel and it's probably something that's a little bit more exciting than what I'm doing in my day-to-day activities and things like this. With with the giving up of the toy, you know, or the tug toy or whatever it happens to be, dogs are more likely to compete with one another for a resource. And if one dog wins that resource, unless, I mean, I, I, I do see the opposite to this with my own dogs, where if one wins it, it will go back and tease the other one with it and yeah. make them get hold again and play tug. Instigate yeah. the play. Yeah, but a lot of dogs won't do that. A lot of dogs will compete over resources and keep them, whereas the human, generally, when you're playing a game of tug, yeah. the idea is to play the game. Mm. So by a dog giving it up, then the dog wins it again, they give it up, they win it again, or you throw it and it animates it, you know, kicks in the prey drive, and the dog's, it comes to life, the game comes to life, far more so than perhaps it would do with another dog, particularly if mm. the dog is playing with another dog that is of the type that would want to keep possession of that yeah. resource and, and not engage in play with the other dog, yeah. you know, given the opportunity. I, I, and it's, it's interesting, there was a bit of research back in 1995 that looked at this, and they kind of, they put it down to this idea that if you, if you give up the toy and the dog wins the toy, then you're going to get bad Dominance. behavioral problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was based on people looking at how wolves behave and assuming that winning toys is the same, the same yeah. kind of thing as the dog winning the battle for the best bit of meat at the end of the pack hunt. And so it, it's actually a really human tendency yeah. to, to zoomorphize on this. Yeah. So it's like you're attributing animal forms to something that mm. you know that is a different animal arguably so it, it was a very kind of human assumption it, it doesn't necessarily mm. extrapolate to the dog in that's the same not to way say that, that there isn't the them the one dog that 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 will create a bit of more a bit, a bit of a yeah. resource issue with like i've said before you know in, in many of these episodes everything is apparent in one mm. you know you know what i mean but we go with the we go with the statistical numbers here yeah. and you know letting your dog letting your dog wins not gonna not gonna cause issues in most cases what i will say is I can show you with any one of my dogs, when I let my dogs win, they will not run off with anything. They will run and push it back in because I'm part of the game. That is a healthy interaction when you're playing with your dog. You don't, if you're, if you're letting your dog win something and it's get running off and, and that, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for the dog to go, come on, and again, let's play, let's play again. You don't, you, you want to be an intricate part of that, that fun sequence, generally. Yeah. A lot of owners really have, have uh, a common problem or make it make a common mistake whereby one when they play tug with a dog they want to win yeah. the owner wants to win or they'll then hold it back and they'll say sit yeah. no sit yeah. no you're not getting it not until yeah, you yeah. sit not until you sit 
Forget all that. Yeah. Bring it back in. Bring it to life. Release yeah, it. Yeah. Let the dog have it. Let the dog have it. Wait until yeah. the dog comes towards you. Then engage. Then let them have it. Yeah, then yeah. engage. Then let them have yeah, 100%, it. 100%. Yeah. Let that dog think that you are a yeah. fundamental part yeah, yeah. of this play, of this fun. Yeah. And you won't yeah. have a dog that wants to take things and keep away from yeah. you because you've got a dog that sees... When you're thinking about the Luther's formalities before building the foundations yeah. of the game, you ruin the game as a byproduct. Yeah. Luther's like, he is absolutely drunk on tug. But for him, I let him win. And then he's like, well, this is no fun. I'm straight, and he's straight back. He doesn't want to run Precisely. off with it. He's like, it's only fun if you're hanging off the other end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually meaning 100%. Yeah, yeah, but then but when I, I said it, I just thought, that's not very good, is it? No. <coughs> I had to, um, I had to really, I had to really build, build that in Logan. Lo- Logan's very possessive in his, um, in his genetics. Um, which is why he's really good at bite work. He want he wants to he wants to claim and own and guard and things like that. So I had to really um I had to really teach that with Logan. I had to really work with that. It took the best part of a year to mm. do it without conflict. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. And now it's like it, you can see like it's still it, 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 that possession's still in him. He'd much rather take it, lay down, hold mm. it, and grip it. He'd much rather do that. But um, it's a conditioned response now. As soon as I let go, you can see him pushing it back into uh. me. So I, I would, just like that, I would say, even if you've got a dog that is, if you want to create a dog that McBride is saying that playing tug creates, don't play tug. Yeah. Instead, let a dog walk off with things and own things and don't engage with them and let the dog realise that these are possessions that I take and they're mine and we don't mm. interact, so really you're not relevant in it. If you want to avoid that kind of relationship... Engage and interact with the dog as a puppy, if you possibly can, as a puppy. This was something that I covered when I was raising the pups and and showing it was the letting them have it, the letting them have it. If you bring me in something that's rubbish, like a tea towel, I'll throw you something that's brilliant. If you bring me in something that's brilliant, I'll throw it again and then I'll bring the tea towel alive and such as that. So everything, anything and everything becomes something that's not to be kept, but to engage with. Do you know what I mean? Which is anybody can do that. It's good fun. It's good fun. It develops a healthy relationship. It doesn't develop this dominance rift between yourself and the dog. I mean, you've got about 11,000 dogs, haven't you? I mean, do you find that they still prefer to play with you or do they prefer prefer playing with you? It's a completely... I mean, I I haven't got that many. I've I've got six six dogs now, but... That's about 11,000. I I had more, but, but, you know, one reason... I've got five, 1,100. For one reason and another, but... I've got three, that's 11. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, um, no, I don't find that... In dog years. My dogs will play with one another, go out, run around the garden, go out, run around when we go out for a walk, do what you want to do, interact with one another, play with one another. They'll do that. That's absolutely fine. When I get involved, if I call them, you know, individually or if I call them collectively, I'm involved. And and I'm now the sort of like, they say, the bringer of joy. You know, I'm the one that, Oh, he's called, not he's called, it's his master's voice, but he's called, or you know, it, it, or, yeah, whatever. Um, and it's, he's called, she's called, they've called, we've called, everybody calls for ice calls. But the fact of the matter is, they've called, it now means there's something fun going to happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we can be individually or we can be collectively involved in, uh, you know, an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Yeah. So if dogs get something different and prefer something from us than other dogs. What is it? What what exactly is going on? And why did they prefer us to other dogs? What does the science say? Oh my God, I found a really, really good neuroscience study on this. And mm. and, and in this this study- That was an excitable really then, so I'm quite oh, excited. I, I, I am, I'm, I'm yeah, really yeah, into yeah. this one. I'm so into this one. They looked at dogs' most powerful sense, which is their sense of smell, right? And they they use it to perceive the world around them. For dogs, it's their primary sense. It's like sight is for us, arguably. Mm-hmm. You know, they see in smell. Yeah. And this study presented dogs with sense of both familiar and unfamiliar dogs and humans and their own scent while they're in a brain scanner. Now, it was really interesting because then they were looking at activity in the part of the brain called the caudate nucleus and we've talked about the caudate nucleus before on this show and it's the part of the brain that's associated with expecting rewards Um, and activity there is linked with feeling good because you're anticipating something good happening now if dogs preferred the other dogs you'd expect to see more activity in the caudate nucleus than you would than when a human's presented and vice versa you know, they found the smell of humans that the dogs knew. So, a familiar human. What do you reckon? 
you reckon they preferred the human to the dog or the dog? I reckon human? they preferred I, the human to I the do. dog. I do, I reckon yeah. it was the human. You yeah. bang on. It's almost like you've been reading science with me, gentlemen. Yeah, they absolutely did. There was far more activity in the chordate nucleus when they could smell a familiar human than they could when they, they had the scent of other dogs. Um, so, But again, you know, humans are linked to rewards. That's what I was going to say. So I, I love surprised. it when the science correlates with yeah. actual living yeah. experience of training dogs. Yeah. I, I love it I'm not happens. surprised. Mm-hmm. Activity there means something good is coming and that means dope dopamine is released right and because it feels it's not people think dopamine happens because you feel good dopamine gets released when you're expecting to feel something good right and that's certainly what they were seeing here and that can impact on behavior because it's a marker to the dog to approach it means that something good is going to happen so go and seek it out and that that's why praise and interaction so the the dopamine is is anticipation of the reward yeah yeah Yeah. exactly that and that's why praise and interaction from you as a handler is such a powerful reinforcer to dogs when you're training you know people take it for granted yeah they do don't get me wrong we don't know whether it's nature or nurture we don't know whether it's based on experience who cares it's all like yeah it is exactly (laughs) exactly exactly exactly. so I love that study I absolutely loved it yeah yeah it's fantastic again you know a lot of the um, a lot of the you know what would you what dare you say fad um, dog knowledge out there yeah it's we dare yeah we dare say it it's so interesting that the the actual science is is in line with what we're seeing as dog trainers and you know the you know the, the amount of like controversy in the dog training world it's it's really refreshing because mm. we don't have these conversations we just train dogs and we enjoy training dogs and to see someone you know put a dog in a brain scanner and it pretty much confirms what I've believed from day one it's yeah. it's it's quite a nice feeling yeah and yeah. I think as well it doesn't just matter that it's in the dog training world either yeah. is it because that filters down to yeah. dog owners as well yeah. doesn't yeah. it yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What, what goes through us yeah. goes to other people yeah, yeah. I and mean, it definitely gives us an insight doesn't it I mean dogs are so unique because they've evolved to live alongside us and this just goes to show for me how their brains have evolved as well to be successful living amongst humans you're not going to get that with parrots you're not going to get that with great apes but dogs brains have developed to allow them to successfully interact with us and that for me is why they've got such a special place in human society I think so too yeah Yeah. absolutely so would that say to you that dogs prefer people over other dogs Certainly yeah, in this study, yeah. the science they science. preferred people that they knew to yeah. be dogs. Definitely. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that. My, you know, when, when I let my dogs out, as you know, stampede, they all come <laughs> out. <laughs> They're all in joy together, but that joy is directed towards me. Mm-hmm. Do, you, yeah. do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, whoa. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see this on a much larger scale because, you know, Brain scanning studies are hard to do. They're expensive to do, and you can only do them with small groups of dogs. It requires staying still. Yeah, they've got to be trained to go in the brain scanner and stay still. And it's really loud, and it's tough to do. But you know, if you could do that on a much larger scale and pull out the individual differences, I'd love to see whether there are dogs that prefer other dogs as well, and then kind of unpick their history and try and understand why. It'd be interesting to see how um, dogs that have never experienced people respond mm. in that case as well. whether there's something about the novelty of people whether there's something more innate yeah yeah you know? yeah do we know i don't know if we do or not on the brain scanners when the dogs are in the brain scanners obviously they go you know they're, they're rewarded with i'm assuming food mm-hmm. for going into um brain scanners are they continually rewarded whilst they're in the brain scanner or are they taught to um duration accept duration yeah. Yeah. yeah because you know they are they're taught yeah. to accept duration. Because otherwise, so they'd be anticipating the reward. But of, is there of, a reward yeah, when they yeah, come and out? and then the dopamine's there. Yeah, is there a, a reward when they're released from the... Uh, yeah, because that would affect it as well, wouldn't it? Potentially, yeah. That would be interesting, yeah. I'm not clear from the I, No, I, I, I don't know either. I just wondered whether or not thing. You know, yeah, with, with, with dopamine, anticipating reward. They yeah. could be sat there the whole time for 20 minutes mm-hmm. anticipating can, the reward yeah. at the end. Or going to get released. You're right. But even aside from that, actually, the there's, I, I'm not surprised that the reward centre in your brain is activated by scent. Because yeah, that's yeah. the other thing here. It's activated by scent. I mean, it's really powerful, isn't it? I mean, different perfumes can remind you of different people, different yeah. aftershaves. And it can cue like like memories and, yeah. and, and predict outcomes. I, it? Yeah. When we were walking home last night, the smell of freshly cut grass and all of us were there going, oh, it's so nostalgic. It reminds me of school. And then yeah. it's like, I hated school. <laughs> but yeah. it does. It evokes really 
really strong memories. Like you could be there again. Yeah, yeah. Now imagine that being your primary sense and imagine how evocative that must be. Certainly if it's massively intensified beyond <sighs> our capacity to yeah. even yeah. understand yeah. it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And now imagine that smell is reminding you of your favourite person in the world mm. who you're always excited to see, who you're never disappointed to see walk through the door. Mm. Imagine that. That's I think incredible. I have one of them. Yeah, you do. You're it. Yeah, yeah, you're maybe him. me, yeah. You're him yeah. as far as I your dog's I smell concerned. myself. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes a change because usually it's us smelling you, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just <laughs> evokes joy. Yeah. I just spread joy everywhere again. It elicits positive feelings. One, one silencer at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Right, we'll be right back after the break. Me, Danny and Jamie and the whole Dog Scholar team just want to take a minute to talk to you about a cause that's really close to our hearts and that's Street Vet. Street Vet is an amazing charity that provide free veterinary care to people experiencing homelessness with their pets. When you're rough sleeping, and I know because I've been there, that relationship that you have with your dog gives you the only social and emotional connection that you have when you're completely isolated. And Street Vet help to promote that bond and we love them for what they do. You can find out more about the amazing work that they do and donate by clicking the link in the description. Let's raise as much as we can for this important cause. Back to the show. So what we're saying is dogs like people, but we don't know whether it's through their past experience with us or is it something more innate? What is the science going into detail about any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, good question. And we know that dogs are associative learners. We know that they pair things that they've experienced together and they learn what outcome they get from that experience or from the behaviour that they do. Um, so if every time I nudge a bowl and mum puts food in it, I associate nudging my bowl with getting food, right? Yeah. That's the association yeah. that's made. And, and dogs are the same. So it could be that because we're the ones that feed the dogs and we're the ones that play with our dogs, they've simply we're simply acting as a signal for food yep. or for play and that's why the dogs prefer us because they're like oh you're a symbol of goodness to come um now on the other hand dogs are hypersocial with humans are they we know that we've seen that time and time again and the cross-species bonding is so unique and neuroscience does give us a clue you'll be glad to hear um one study paired three neutral toys to predict food praise and nothing at all and they presented these items to the dogs again in a brain scanner. And it looked at the activation mm, in the brain area. Mm. Yeah. Uh, associated with the value of rewards. Again, similar, um, but it was the ventral caudate. So it was a specific part in the caudate nucleus. Now, remember, the more you value something, the more activity that you're going to get in that particular part of the brain. Now, in a whopping 13 out of 15 dogs, don't forget, I did say in in brain scanning studies, yeah. they're relatively small groups. But in the vast majority of them, it lit up as much or more for praise, for praise yeah, there, yeah. than it did for food. Now, all dogs preferred praise or food to nothing, which you, you know mm. you wouldn't be surprised about. But some dogs definitely, definitely had a preference. So yeah, there are individual differences for sure. But if it was just that humans were signaling food to the dog, we definitely would have seen much more similar activity for the two. So yes, it depends on the dog. Yes, there are individual differences, but there's definitely something there. And in fact, they did a follow-on experiment where dogs could choose between items that would either get them the praise or the food. And the individual choices, the one that they went to, whether they went and they went for the thing that was going to get them praise or they went and they 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 went for they chose the thing that was going to get them food, actually correlated with the brain activity that they'd seen in the scanner previously. So if they were presented with the food item, and there was more activity in the ventral chordate when they went out and did the follow-on experiment that was the one that they chased after and that was the one that they went for so individual differences yes definitely but when you think about how essential food is for mm. dogs how absolutely essential it is you can see how crucially your dog values you yeah you know when it's as important or more important it's just amazing it really is I think anybody who's been training dogs or lived with dogs for a period of time, certainly training dogs for a period of time, will absolutely know how important it is to have that relationship with your dog, you know, to have your dog see you as something more than a food dispenser, mm -hmm. but something, someone who is in and of themselves 
of greater value than the food. That that's that's the goal. That's yeah. the goal for you know for anybody listening, anybody watching who's training your dog. Your goal isn't to control the behaviour of your dog through external means. Your goal is to be able to influence and affect the behaviour of your dog because it's you, mm. because of who you are and what how the dog sees you. You know what you represent to the dog, and to become that reinforcer you know to become that higher value reward above and beyond food items or toy items do you know what i mean is is essentially the pinnacle as far as i'm concerned of what you want to achieve in a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with your dog a strong relationship with your dog and you earn that with consistent interaction over time yeah, yeah well, you were able to, yeah. you were then able to uh, have stand a high chance in the majority of situations, obviously there'll be, you know, extreme situations where perhaps you wouldn't compete. But in the majority of everyday situations where you're out in a park or something, you know, in your garden or wherever it happens to be, there's not much going on or there may be, you know, bits and bobs going on. But seeing you as being the main reason, the main reward to come back to, to interact with over yeah. other things that are going on. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, that's got to yeah. be, that's got to be. Top top of the list for Absolutely. anybody's I, um, I, I, training. When we're out and about, I just see myself as base camp. Whatever mm. you do, you come back to base camp and then we go off again and we do mm. whatever, but you come back to base camp. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, I'll say it, it doesn't surprise me um, that. So, mm. you know, um, it's nice. It's nice to hear it confirmed. It's yeah, nice it to have really it is, science, yeah. scientifically validated. But it is yeah. something that, as I say, yeah, with, with with experience, you would know that to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's important to mention that no two dogs are the same. You know, like I've, I've, I think I've said before with, with Wade, he'd just give me that, just generally interacting with him every day, doing his normal training, feeding him, taking him for a walk, even just taking him for a wee. He naturally wanted to bond with me and, and, and come back to base camp. Logan, very independent dog, very, very aloof in character. You know, dare I say, he's he's a he's a dominant dog. He's very assertive. He's not feared by anything, and he and he's aloof in nature. I had to really work towards that, and I think a lot of pet owners can be guilty of just assuming that they they deserve that from their dog. And then when you think that, you're not prepared to work for it. And what that usually that that coincides with, well, with me last dog. You have to understand you're working with an individual. Yeah. You, this dog isn't your last dog, and your next dog won't be the same as the previous two dogs yeah. before, unless you're lucky and you know yeah. you, you, you you stumble across that sort of relationship. But understand that you're not going to be given it in every case, and there's nothing wrong with having to work for it. And in fact, sometimes it's easier to enjoy. It's better to enjoy it more when you're enjoying the fruits of your labour and you've had to work for it. Mm. You definitely see those individual differences. Luther loves tug. Like yeah. when I'm training him, I know that that will be the thing that he'll come back for. Yeah. Red, not interested yeah. at all. I mean, we're Red's second home. She was an adult dog when we got her. Uh, I'm not sure if if tug or play was ever used as a reinforcer previously but also she hasn't got many teeth bless her mm. so you know that doesn't help she's not really interested in it but food mm. oh my god I've never seen such a gannet in, in all my life yeah, yeah. you know so she definitely yeah. has a preference even even without the um, the reward of gameplay or anything I'm just talking about the general oh dare I say you're me dad do you know yeah, what I mean I just want yeah. to be in your company um, all, all the things you know that you take in, that you take into consideration for owning a dog. Some dogs will just give you that sort of bond. Mm. Others, you have to work a little bit harder for it. Yeah, and it, it can be quite frustrating, can't it? When it you can see be. people who've got who've got a, a relationship, who've got that bond with a dog, and you think, how the hell did you get that? Yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? It, yeah. She absolutely loves you. He absolutely loves you, and you're there busting your back end trying to get any kind of attention yeah, from your yeah. dog who would sooner sniff what another dog's just left at the side of the birds. <laughs> do you know what I mean? How demoralising is this? I've just, or I've just lost to, you know, pony poo or something like that. Something else has been more important than me. Yeah. You know, and it, it is... It can it, get frustrating. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, when... Um, I was working, there's a, there's a, a, a clip I did. As a waitress of, uh, in a cocktail bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I was where I met you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But um, when I was working with Tilly, when I was uh, training her, there was a clip that I did. Um, Don't you want me? That I put, that I put online. <laughs> Don't you want me, baby? Yeah. <laughs> so I do it again. Yeah, go on. All right. Sorry. <laughs> it's not that, that was that competitive thing where we all had to say something. <laughs> uh, um. Oh. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, I mean, I've got a video clip of Tilly when I was training with her and, and you know, people will say she was a Labrador and people will say, oh, Labradors, you know, you, you beat them with a the belly. They're, they're dogs that are absolutely food, yeah. you know, they're food driven. They'll do anything for food. And, and I was I was working with her and what I was working on was sending her to a target. So in front of me was a bowl. Well, it wasn't actually in front of me because I was facing away from the bowl. And what I wanted her to do was she was standing alongside of me in heel position and then she had to turn around run back to the bowl, put a pause on the bowl, pivot around the bowl a little bit. And with me just giving the, or bringing out my hand to, to the mm. side, my left-hand side as it was, bringing out my hand to the side, that was a signal for her to leave the bowl, run back into heel, and then to send her back behind me again to go yeah. onto the bowl to target. Now, repetitions of that behavior happened and all that she was getting, well, she was getting multiple reinforcers. She was getting the touch of my hand on the side of her head when she came into the heel position. And as I was stroking her, I would say to her, good girl, good girl. And then I'd send her back again. She'd come back in. She'd come back, good girl, good girl. And then at the end of the exercise, I, I would go and she's just, hey, look, look what I've just done. And I went over and I got like a piece of cheese off the side and gave her some cheese. She didn't work. No, for the cheese. No, that that wasn't not. the motivation. The motivation was yeah, that, yeah. do you know what I mean? It was oh, the, yeah, the reinforcement yeah. that I was providing, yeah. that social reinforcement. And the same is true of uh, like her granddaughter, um, Tinkerbell there, who, yeah. who I was, you know, two days ago um, doing some work with her. And I, she knew that I was going to send her to search for something. But I just wanted to get her attention, get her focus on me a little bit. So I was offering her food because she'd done a little something that I wanted her to do. Not really interested. You know, it was like snaffle for it, but just fell out the side of her mouth. It was, mouth and it was like, when do we go? When do we go? And I'm picking yeah, yeah. pieces of food up yeah. off yeah, the floor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And get that. You, Technically or theoretically, you would yeah. say, well, it's a Labrador. Food is a primary reinforcer. The, the, the Labrador will take the food over anything else. No, no not necessarily. It was the interaction and the yeah. ability to, or opportunity to do yeah. what she F- is. Flint's the same. The opportunity to fulfill drive. This position yeah. will always take over. And he is a gannet. Literally, if I put my old boots in his bowl, he would consume them. He <laughs> would eat anything. But you put that dog in a state of arousal, drive, to get a retrieve or, or, or bring something to me. Because what people don't realise when you're teaching dogs to retrieve a proper retrieve, retrieve the dog isn't driven by what they're getting they're driven by bringing it back to the handler yeah and that's what that what 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 the the driver motivated is i actually um spilled that into detection dogs when a uh, previous company i worked for we were training in um, search dogs for um, football premier league football stadiums and i noticed the guys that were working there and the girls they were um yeah. they were they couldn't get the ball off the dog when they rewarded the dog, you know, when you sent a stooge. Mm-hmm. And the dogs that I trained weren't driven by the ball. They were driven by, I've got the ball, shove it in and let's go, and let's go again. And it changed the game because they were happy to release that because then the game starts again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, Flint will choose that over food any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for, you know, well, I don't think I'm pretty much certain that for millions of people who are uh, listening or at home or just millions of people, throughout, not as millions of people listening or at home, but billions, millions, billions, of, yeah, billions, yeah, global. think big. Yeah. But for, um, <laughs> but for um, millions, billions, but, you know, for, for all these people Trillions. who are struggling with with their dog, I think it's nice it's to hear or hopefully it's nice to hear. Because you probably do your training and you use your food and you use your toys, but you're not, your dog's not particularly bothered. You know, you think, well, I'm being told that this is the way to go about it, but it's not, your dog isn't particularly interested in it. But if you can generate that relationship where you think, okay, ditch that then. Yeah. Let's just go for interaction. Let's go for fuss yeah. and rough and tumbles and let's generate yeah. that relationship yeah. instead and put it more on a, yeah. what you'd call a social reinforcement um, basis instead, which is just yeah. play. Yeah. And the, you know, the ultimate goal for all pet owners should be you don't need any reward. You don't need any punishment. The dog's just driven by the behaviour itself yeah. Or, yeah. or the interaction. And so now we know all this stuff from the science. What difference does that make? What what can people do practically to help them? I think um, we touched on something before that I saved for the practical note, and that is um, access to valuable resource, toys, balls, things like that. Um, a big thing that um, pet owners in particular, they, they overlook is they give their dog free access to all these toys and rewards and things and by doing so you devalue your interaction with those toys if you don't leave in your, i mean i don't leave my dogs with with balls and, and and tugs and things like that for for obviously they're high in arousal and drive so they run the risk of chewing them all up and destroying them and possibly mm. consuming them but if they don't have like free access to them when i bring that to the to the table they're like whoa let's play and a big thing with that i've, I've had um over the years i find with with clients is 
their dogs, I mean, they haven't got like really like specimens of, um, of working dogs. So they're having to do a bit of drive building to have, mm. to build the desire to want to play and interact with them. So giving them dog, you know, the dogs, um, free, free valuable resource, balls, toys, to, all different toys. The dog's not really that interested. They go, yeah, okay, I'll play with that when I get home. Do you yeah. know, do you know what I mean? So just, just taking that away. And then when you bring it, it's like, oh, this, this is a good thing. It's not something we do every day. I always explain it like when you're a kid especially in the 90s, you didn't have a McDonald's every day. You had one about every eight weeks, every 10 weeks. But when you had it, God, it tastes good because it's 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 rare, it's scarce. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you have it every day, you take it for granted. Mm. Yeah, you do. Again, just, just on a practical tip, you know, from developing that relationship, from making your dog think that I prefer people to dogs. I know that I have, and I know that you have, and Sab, you probably have, and everybody else, you know, who's got that kind of relationship with their dog probably has. But... The, the there isn't a pure reliance on just giving you stuff. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where you're actually building a solid relationship through, you know, um, the development of control over the dog and giving boundaries and guidance to the dog, you know, dare I say the word discipline to the yeah. dog, which simply means, you know, enforcing structure and making you know what's right from wrong, etc., so that you can understand in an appropriate way. Yeah. That doesn't create dogs that don't want to be with you, are terrified of you, or such a poor version of it may yeah. well do. Yeah. A poor version of it could well do. But the appropriate balance of, you know, heavy reward, guidelines and discipline where required is what dogs love they do they thrive on it they and it's really important yeah of course does. of course i need to know why should i do this oh you know if i get a lead correction or something for for doing this behavior and i know that i'm going to get the lead correction for doing that behavior but i know what the behavior is that i should be doing and i know that i'm able to control whether or not i get the lead co uh, correction and instead i get the praise and the interaction from yourself doesn't have to be a load of food yeah, just yeah. simply the social reinforcement boom yeah. we start to understand one another and we can start to really really engage and have a good time together you know it, it doesn't need to be all about trying to buy it buy it buy no, it no it doesn't yeah, no, no, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't that point about interaction and the, the the impact that it can have is is huge i mean i experienced homelessness when i was younger and i i slept rough on and off for about two and a half years and i had a, a dog that was with me menace and i spent every waking moment with that dog. And the bond that we had was massive. And the impact that that interaction had was way bigger than any food reward that I could have given him. You know, that was that was what he thrived on. And actually it was what I thrived on as well. You know, it was that interaction and that relationship that you got with it. And I think that we can really underestimate that sometimes, can't we? It's not always about kind of bribing your dog to do something that you're encouraging it to do. I think we forget sometimes how crucial that just that bond, just that interaction yeah. is and how special that can be. Absolutely. Right. What about some questions? Yeah, I love listening questions. questions. We got what some have we questions. got, Jay? So the first question that we've got, thank you for sending it in. Uh, my spaniel thinks that feathers are out to kill him. Oh, dear. He's like a spring lamb if he sees one when out walking. Why is this? And more importantly, what can I do about it? Danny. I think it's just the unknown. I had the same thing with my bull breed, Ralph. Um, we, we had, um, I think it was one of the, one of the baby's parties. It was one of them balloons filled with feathers. And at the end of it, we popped them all ready to yeah. clean up. And as they were floating down, Ralph's like, snap, back away, snap, back yeah. away. You've never seen anything like that before. Again, yeah. it's the, it's the unknown. Yeah. So you're probably fine that, that a little, the dog's just, just reacting to the, un, the unknown. Unusual for a spaniel, though, eh? It is unusual for a spaniel, but, but, you know, never say never. You yeah. know, the, the, yeah. every, every, every dog can be spooked by something. Luther normally, doesn't they, normally like they'd it. want to get a grip. Luther <laughs> doesn't like it with Prosecco bottles when they pop. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically enough. He's fine with champagne. He's fine with champagne. Uh, no, no, he doesn't like, he hates it. We were, um, we were over a park and there was someone having a picnic there and just out of the blue, they popped, they popped a bottle and he jumped out of his skin. And since then, yeah. you, any bottle that you pull out the fridge, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, is Prosecco yeah. or what, but any bottle you pull out the fridge and he's like, oh, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. yeah. You'd have thought it had habituated to it by now. <laughs> <laughs> there goes that theory. <laughs> yeah. Damn it! Yeah, any wine will do. Yeah. Or gin, a pint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, for the what can I do about it? You know, aspect of that with the um, we spaniel in your feathers. 
Get some feathers, have yeah. your spaniel, walk along on a lead with your spaniel, yeah. drop some feathers along as you're walking, let your spaniel just walk along with you, don't allow him to bolt and whiz off the end of the lead, but yeah. uh, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. It's a feather. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to do anything Nothing's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to go down multiple you know, avenues of overcomplicating yeah. things. It's a feather. Oh yeah. no, what's it going to do? Not much, mate. There's yeah. loads of them. Come and, on, and on some, we go. So, some people, they can be a bit neurotic in their personalities and they can allow them feathers around them to consume them and then they overthink the dog and then that in turn makes the dog even more spooked. So if you're one of them people, you could also target them towards something of value, whether it be a food bowl, a tug, a ball. You can put the ball in sight, walk through the feathers to get the ball mm. and as soon as they've crossed, crossed through the, the threshold of stress, they get the ball or the food and it's job done. Mm -hmm. it, that, yeah. that can usually help people as, as well as it can help dogs because both of you have got a target to fixate on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good second question. question. Yeah, let's have okay, it. Okay, second one then. My dog's funny with people I don't like. I have to be really careful with it. Why is this and what should I do about it? That's a big question. Yeah, it's a problem. It's unfortunately, it's a question that we can't really answer without no. seeing the dog and what's going on. But what we can say is you, what you need to do is be working with a reputable dog trainer because any dog that is uncomfortable with people has the potential for, to go really wrong really mm. quickly. And I think as well for anybody else in a similar sort of situation that might think, yeah, my dog can be a bit funny with people as well. What what, yeah. what should I do about it? Yeah. Have a listen in and see. Anybody who tries to give you an answer to something like that, where yeah. you're talking about nervousness, fearfulness, potential aggression or whatever from a dog towards mm -hmm. other dogs or towards people, don't seek advice online. No. Yeah. Don't take it from a forum. Don't take yeah. it from somebody else. Who's Avoid breed-specific like groups. Anything <laughs> like that. Seek actual reputable professional yeah. help from somebody who can yeah. demonstrate the fact that they have dealt with it before they've successfully resolved it and they're able to work with you yeah we can recommend a couple of good ones if you need it yeah yeah <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good stuff are we ready for some x yeah go on let's do it right okay we've got george from licky end licky end <laughs> Imagine putting that on your name. Sounds like an ice lolly. I don't even know what it sounds it? like. Um, it's in Worcestershire. Kids listen to this. Yeah, yeah, it's in Worcestershire. It is yeah. an actual place. I promise I Googled it. Yeah, did you really? I, did, I check. Oh, I did checked you think I was lying? No, yeah. no. Yeah. I absolutely trust you. I just wanted to confirm 1,000%. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let it off. <laughs> All these poor people that are from normal sounding places are like, why isn't anyone getting my icks? <laughs> well, you need to live somewhere that sounds ridiculous. Then you'll get your ick read out, won't you? Right? Okay, so George from Licky End in Worcestershire, he says... When their little dog is pe absolutely petrified and snapping, trying to create space, and they say, bless him, he thinks he's a Rottweiler. <laughs> I think um, this is a peeve for people who have big dogs that they've had to work through issues and they get a bit, a bit, dare I say, pissed off when people with smaller dogs excuse behaviour that needs to be addressed, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's also something where people who've got the bigger dogs and certain type of breeds get stereotyped as saying, oh, well, you know, it's a Rottweiler or they think they're a German Shepherd or yeah, they think yeah. they're a Doberman. You, and you pick, it's generally black and tan, you yeah, know, yeah. The tattoo for I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, many yeah. people's Never eyes. trust a dog with orange uh, eyebrows. Yeah. tattoos. Ridiculous. Tattoos. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, and and small dogs, you know, that, that kick off, you know, and aggress towards people mm. or other dogs. Just as problematic as your yeah, larger yeah. ones from a There's lot of There's a massive double standard. There really is. Yeah. And I think it's important that viewers at home understand that whilst bigger dogs have the potential to cause harm, when you're looking at bite statistics, far more bites are happening from littler dogs. The, the, out, the, the outcome just isn't the same in terms of people aren't going to the hospital and things mm. like that. But in the eyes of the law, you're still just I thought you were going to say the eyes of the Lord then. Oh, no. The <laughs> I was going to say that's yeah. getting a bit deep. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, a deep, a deep yeah. guy. Yeah. What, what does the Son of God think about this? Yeah. Uh, the Son of God says that you are still liable by law and whether your, your little dog's causing people alarm and distress or your big dog is, you're still just as accountable by law. Isn't oh, that right, yeah, Jamie? Absolutely. Actually, that is the double standard because maybe people are less alarmed and distressed by a little dog even though they're doing exactly the same thing. So I yeah, don't like the, the yeah, it's about, Well, it's about, it's intimidation, isn't it? You, yeah. you know, as, as, you but know, it's, it's, on the, it's so subjective. So that's my issue with that law in particular is it is incredibly subjective because Luther gets a bit of this when I take him out and he's muzzled because he muzzle train him yeah, you know, yeah. people respond so differently to him and they're kind of like
like, oh, going to give that dog a wide berth. Well, to be honest, good. they usually do anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. Leave alone. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, there is a real kind of assumption when they look at a dog or mm. a dog looks a bit mean or is a bit yeah. big, they immediately think differently about it. And I get this, Ick. I really do, because I get a bit frustrated when poor behaviours are excused just because of the way that the dog looks. Because actually, it's stressful for that dog to be so kind of scared of everything that it's doing that behaviour, that it's snapping at stuff to try to create space that's not a generally yeah. happy dog it doesn't have the resilience yeah. to cope with everyday yeah. life so you know there's something about that i think that needs to I, think, with. I think when you you know you're not like an experienced dog owner or trainer and you know it might be your first dog it's it's quite easy to realize you've got a problem and you've got 55 kilo of rottweiler i'm sorry to just to put the stigma on rottweilers but that, that's what <laughs> come up um any large breed dog and you're like holy shit I can't manage this. It's icy. This dog's trying to drag to me to wherever. It's quite apparent that there's a problem, but when you've got a dog that you can just scoop up, yeah. it's easy to kind of excuse that and go, oh, what's he like? And, and, and walk yeah. on. But, you know, all dogs need to deserve to feel comfortable in their environment that yeah. they're expected to live in. Mind you, we're talking about dogs here, but people are similar to that as well. So, you know, you get you get the little person that's kind of giving it large. You go, oh, yeah. Small man syndrome. You know, you, you say that, don't you? You excuse it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a small man. And I will have you know that bus driver was incredibly out of line. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah. Dear, <laughs> no, but it is, isn't it? You go, oh, yeah. And you kind of like nod it off. But then if someone that looked bigger and meaner and scarier was to behave in exactly the same way, people would be less likely to tolerate that or laugh it off or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, there is a thing generally, I think, that people can be guilty of, of applying double standards just on the basis of how someone or a dog is presenting. Yeah. So we need to do better. Let's work on ourselves. Let's do better. People always do better. That's the... That's the uh... Let's say that's the ethos of every single episode. It do is, better. We can all do better. I can do better. Yeah. Do better. Be better. Yeah. Oh, I think, it, yeah, nice sort of like succinct takeaway from that. Yeah. Ick, Danny, is that size doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it certainly it certainly yeah. doesn't in this case. Well, let's see if we can get a bigger Ick this time. Okay. Ick again, Danny. And okay. Ick is bigger. We've got, I'll give you a big one, right? <laughs> We've got Ali from Rimswell, Yorkshire. And Ali says, seeing people arrange their dog's raw meal on a plate like it's been prepared by a five-star Michelin <laughs> chef. Yeah. You see this a lot, don't you? Oh, I see this on social media. You know, like, you see you know, on social media people take it. a picture of their dinner and stick it on Facebook. People are doing that with uh, their dog's me. food as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jamie yeah, but, loves yeah. that. That's Jamie's <laughs> favourite pastime. Yeah. But you've yeah. lovingly made it's my connection that. with the outside <laughs> world. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, lovingly yeah. made that, and it is impressive, to be honest. I'm always Don't backpedal now, Sam. Don't backpedal now. You've said it. You've said it. <laughs> Only because here's more up. impressive than yours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Antisocial reclusive geek. Um, I have no, I have no issue with this that directly. The only kind of issue I have is I think you know everyone is, enti is entitled to feed their dog what they deem fit. Your responsibility as a dog owner, our responsibility as dog trainers and and neuroscientists in this field now is not to dictate to you what you should feed your dog. Your responsibility as a dog owner is to do your research, know the risks on both sides and make a formulated decision of what you're going to feed your dog that what's best for your dog. The problem I have if I was going to have one with this is I think a lot of these kind of should we say extreme raw feeders where they're preparing there's like a whole like little baby chick on there and a whole leg and all this they really look down on people who feed their dog conventional dog food yeah. and that that shouldn't be a thing you know i feed my dogs biscuits and meat my dogs are healthy as horses you know mm. what i mean yeah. you, you're no better off than me for feeding raw than i am for you for feeding biscuits and not everybody has got the capacity to be yeah. able to raw feed i'm not yeah. this isn't having to go raw feeders but you know no, no. you like, like you say you it's bizarre, the dog world, isn't it? Yeah, it's bizarre it because whatever you do, there's camps. Yeah, there's yeah. camps and there's, there's always there's camps going, hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's extreme camps. You should have done this. You could have done this. I would have done that. And you think, God, I'm only giving it its tea. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? But it's like, well, what are you feeding it? Oh, the, the nutritional content of that. And do you know yeah. what I mean? And you just think, yeah. oh, just, I, look, I just I just think my dog will live My budget allows this. Yeah. My freezer space allows this. Yeah. My lifestyle allows this or whatever. Mm. Whatever suits, as long as your dog is fit, Healthy, happy, yeah. loved. Yeah. Who cares? There's so much stuff that I'll see on 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 dog social media, and I think, what are you talking about? Mm. But I just 
scroll past and move yeah. on. It's not it's yeah. not my place. You're not going to change people's mind. Leave them to it. Yeah. 100%. But don't you scroll on because if you've got an interesting question or a nook that you wish to share, Jamie's about to tell you how to get in touch. I'm going to do exactly that and it's not difficult. In fact, it's very easy. It's, yeah. easier, it's easier than choosing what you're going to feed your dog. It's just difficult for me to remember what I'm supposed to be saying. Yeah. But if you're on if you're on social media, at Dog Scholar Podcast is where you'll find us. Alternatively, you can email podcast at thedogscholar.com. And that's all we've got time for this week, I'm afraid. But if you've enjoyed the show, please do share it with a friend because if they don't like it, maybe the dogs will. We've got a twenty bit left. As always, Danny, final thoughts, what do you got? Whilst it might be nice for you to see your dog playing with his doggy friends, the science is out. Your dog actually gets adequate fulfilment from playing with you. Take the time to play with your dog. See you next week. Oh,